What's up everybody? Clint Esposito here with number 117 of the Two Wheels to Freedom show. Today we have Kurt Desario with the Glory Days bike show in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. What's up, Kurt? How are you doing? Hey, Clint. How you been? Very long good. Time, I, guess, I guess long time. I don't know. It's been since, what, 2000s at least, right? Um, I'm trying to think of oh. when. So backstory for people that don't know. Yeah. Kurt and I actually, so I, was, I have the Harley jump. So I was reaching out to some events to be like, hey, I have this harley jump that i'm doing and then he writes back he's like yo it's kurt from spastic who did my he did my <laughs> graphics for my team for like several years so i was like oh shit what a crazy small world yeah uh, we just kind of hang out in the industry as long as we can yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> well that's i was like yeah. where what am i going to just start over in something totally different that i have no idea about i might as well yeah, that's kind of how some of us are, right? I, I was telling my wife about it. I was like, oh, they were like these killer clown graphics. It was just, yeah. I was oh. trying to remember exactly which ones they were, but it was pretty cool, man, to, to just be in the industry that long and kind of reconnect with people that are able to hang in there with it. Yeah. So, yeah, I had, um, that's actually one of my favorite bikes, the year that we did the crazy clown graphics and I did my yeah. bike all like crazy colors along with it. I painted my subframe like teal and we had gold on there. I had like gold hubs with red rims and white spokes. And then I had like a teal subframe. Like it was crazy. So it was a lot of fun. <laughs> hey everybody. I'm interrupting this podcast to tell you something very important. April 19th and 20th, Two Wheels to Freedom Fest is going to be at Cedar Grove MX Park in Winsboro, South Carolina. We're going to have dirt drags for the Harleys and the dirt bikes. We're going to have pit bike races. We're going to have camping for with a 21 and up area. We're going to have a bar. We're going to have amateur freestyle motocross contest. I'm going to jump the Harley. That's April 19th and 20th, Winsboro, South Carolina. Go to twowheelstofreedom.com for the link to tickets. Hope to see you there. Um, so how did you get into the motorcycling industry, like, in general? Since I was a kid, I raced uh, local motocross, CRA, little things in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio. Um, and then my dad had a welding fabrication shop. And then on the, because we wanted to get a discount on parts, he got like he like rigged some dealership with like Takaraki or something awesome. just to get like parts. But then people from school wanted me to like get them stuff for their dirt bikes. So I started making lists and doing orders. And I kind of took off to a point where we're like, why don't we just add on to the little welding shop? And we started a like a motocross shop. Awesome. Where we, I would just do a mechanic work and sell parts. And that kind of kicked the whole thing off in high school. And then from there, because I had the shop. And we had the fab shop as well. I started to manufacture, like along with my dad, like we would come up with ideas for performance parts, like custom air boxes, just whatever awesome. we can make out of metal. And then that that was really which kind of shot me into the business world because I had to learn how to market, do web design, do e-commerce, all that stuff. And it just kind of rolled from there. Yeah. And you're also an artist, obviously. 
Yeah, that's always just been the background thing. You know, it's it's hard to make a living being an artist. I don't even know what right. being an artist really means these days. I think of it as building bikes. I think of it as painting, music, whatever. Uh, but that's sort of just always been my background. I've always been painting and doing different graphic design work, and that and it and it it kind of played along with everything I was doing with my products as well, because I was able to, to like design the way everything was going to look, design the websites, kind of keep the art flowing as much as I can, and I think that actually sort of helped pull people in. Uh, you know, where we were selling products or events or whatever it was. Exactly. I, I would agree. I mean, I think that that it's funny that you downplay it like that because it's like basically something that you enjoy that you're good at, but you're like, haven't really found the avenue to make just a living solely off of like being creative. But that is a huge thing that companies look for is they need somebody to be creative. So like, it is something that you just happen to be good at, but it's very valuable in, you know, the whole scheme of what's going on with all of this. Yeah, I, th I guess I do make a living. I, I mean, I run a creative company with my wife, so we do a lot of branding work, um, a lot of media, just typical things like that. Now, we've slowly started to, like, just focus on more of our own projects, which just so happen to be mostly in the motorcycle industry, which is kind of nice. So I wouldn't say that I can't make a living off the art. It's just, it's not, you know, I'm just not sitting in some luxurious studio painting and talking about my right. feelings. It's, right. it's more like <laughs> slaving away behind a computer and learning yeah. new programs and how to integrate AI these days and everything else. So yeah. it's, it's just always moving. Um, I even, I just, I literally just did a podcast with um, Javier Viegas and we were talking about it too. And it's like, even his freestyle motocross is his art, you know what I mean? And it's, yeah. I think that we get, we do kind of think of just art being, like you said, some dude sitting in a studio, you know, mm -hmm. crying and painting or something, but it's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like art, uh, yeah. you know, like comes out in many different ways. Just like you said, like I mean, bike builders. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to go with. It was the guys we get at the like the motorcycle shows and for our Pittsburgh Moto Magazine. A lot of them are just dudes who live in rural areas who, who don't really think much of themselves. They don't really have a lot of confidence. They're not very great socially or anything like that. But then we'll bring them to the show and kind of give them this, you know, they, they get this treatment that they're somebody special because that's how I look at it. I mean, if yeah. you can you know, whether it's a restoration or a completely custom build where you're doing your own frame and all that stuff. To me, that's art because that's what I grew up around was just, you know, welding and fabrication. So for somebody to be able to visualize something just out of nothing and just make their own tools, make their own parts and everything, I, I think that needs to be a little lifted up a little bit more. I, I consider that art as well. And I think whenever you give guys a platform to do it, maybe they'll go home and think a little more highly of themselves that they'll have a little more confidence to move forward with new projects. And that's how you get a lot of new creative works coming out of the industry as well. Like, you got to lift everybody up. Well, and like you, you know. said, if people don't have like a, a platform to do it, what are they doing it for? Just like you were talking about art or whatever, you know? And it's like, I guess people probably look at it as like the same thing. Oh, well, I'm just, I always look at life everything is like, if I can do it, it must be easy. Right. So I like, don't value really the things that I can do because I'm like, I can do them. So like, who cares? And right. I'm sure that's how these people are. Like you said, they're not huge 
social butterflies so they're not talking to everybody. They're still making these great pieces. They're just not out in front of everybody, but you've given them a platform basically to be like, oh, it could get into a magazine or it could get into, you know, even just going and doing a show, you know, which they might not have done before is cool. You know, and we were, again, I was talking with Javier and we were talking about tricks and it's like, what's the, it's similar because it's like, what's the motivation to really put yourself out there if there's no like, you got to have some kind of goal or be like, you know what I mean? Striving for something, whether it be getting in a magazine or winning a show or something like that. Yeah. There needs to be like platform to, for you to be able to showcase it really. And yeah. I think that's, that's, that's how it is with bikes is it's not a mainstream, you know, if you show somebody your custom motorcycle and they don't know anything about custom motorcycles, they're not going to understand what's so amazing about it. I mean, you'll see most people would just be like, oh, nice paint job. You know, that's what right. they'll recognize is like the art whenever the rest of us are kind of looking at, you know, look how clean the welds are. Yep. How did you wire this thing so nicely? Like stuff like that, the right. little things that the general public's not really going to notice. So I guess that's why that's basically what I'm trying to say here is just, you know, these guys need something. A lot of the magazines are going away. There's a lot of websites and different like blogs and stuff that are still hanging around there. But I think the shows and some of these events are really kind of where it's at these days is because the media is coming in. There's just a lot of hype about them. And there seems to be more and more every year. Yeah. You know, thinking about it, going on the motorcycle like sites, there are way more rallies and shows and stuff than there ever was before. I feel like maybe it's because we're on the internet now and we can all see how many there are, I guess, from one place, but it does seem like there's a lot more events going on, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, it's weird, especially with, I guess, the magazine medium going away. It's funny that the industry is kind of shifting back to in-person. Mm -hmm. It's it's really strange. With us running a publication, I mean, we watch our subscriber numbers kind of go up and down. The pandemic was like a big hit, but then it'll go up again after a while i don't really know how to take the print world and i also don't know how much how connected i feel to it now that you know compared to what i used to because even i just it's not like i'm not going to subscribe to every magazine you know right. it's only going to be like a handful when there's really only so much content i can take in so it's not like i blame anybody for it really kind of dying out i think the print companies who complain about print dying or, or sort of the reason that it is because they're just jacking up prices every year. Right. I mean, I think the cost for us to print our publication, Pittsburgh Moto, from 2023 to this year has gone up almost 75 percent. Wow. I mean, it's it's and like it's hard to run like a small batch publication like that without outsourcing it to, you know, China or somewhere else with a lot cheaper print methods. Right. So I don't know. It, it's, it's a complicated path to take, but it's kind of neat if somebody can do it even just for a little bit, just to get some like physical product out there. It seems to live on longer. Yeah, for sure. And I think I'm sure you know the number, but because uh, I had a friend that did a magazine or a paper back in the day, and he was like, he was just getting circulation by like giving them out or dropping them off at like bookstores or whatever. But he's like, they would say that each magazine is worth like, I don't know, 50 views or something like that. Because they would say it would get into, or it might not have been that many, but it was like so many yeah. more people than like each individual copy out. 
you know, they're like, it'll be viewed by so many people more versus, you know, just the person that bought it. It's the length too. Like it'll last. And like, if you put them in the shops, they seem to just kind of hang in there. We'll, we'll get contacted from stuff we did back in like 2019, 2017. You know, we'll have people contact us about some of the bikes we feature as if we're the people that build it, even right. though it's <laughs> obviously the title of the article is the builder, you know, that like yeah. people don't read anymore. So I don't know. It, it also seems like people just want to look at the photos so, you know, the way we strategize with Pittsburgh Moto was just to put everything that we did in print online eventually, like after we get the print magazine out, maybe a few months later, I just start hitting uh, like our blog and filling it with search engine optimization and, and doing all the back end work because then it just sort of spreads throughout the Internet. So, right. Even if they're not buying the magazine, they're finding the photos and then it'll end up eventually tracing them back to the website. And who knows, maybe they'll buy a magazine, maybe they'll buy a T-shirt, but it's something do you have a pittsburgh moto um oh yeah you do right there um because i do have a second window where i can pull stuff up like your i have the instagram lined up so i'll put that yeah up. that's a different one my wife and i run it ourselves so i do all the interviews and editing and she does all the photography but it's because it's local we can do it i mean it would be hard to run like a national magazine and right. have to fly around and actually shoot everything you would have to third party all the you know, the photography and you have to make sure everything was lined up and formatted the correct way. And just to me, it just sounds like a nightmare doing that. I mean, yeah. I used to work in print. I used to do numerous magazines where it was like that. You'd have a team of 20 some people on Slack trying to organize, you know, 200 page coffee table book. And it was always, always chaos doing it that way. Yeah. So yeah. we just figured out a way. It was like, why don't we just make it to where there's low overhead? It's not going to cost us too much money. We don't have like you know, we don't have to necessarily get everything out on time. It's just as long as we do, you know, hit our subscription goals for the year, then we should be ready to go. Right. We're probably going to do a new format in the future to where it's maybe just one large hardcover book a year instead of just the multiple magazines, just for the time it takes and the energy. It's really hard to get around to interview all these people and put everything right. together on time. What's your radius of going to like interview people? Or like if you greater, happen to be at an event or something, I guess. It's greater Pittsburgh area. So with us, because we're Pittsburgh's on like obviously the western side of PA, like it's just there's there's a I don't know, you can Wikipedia like greater Pittsburgh. I think there's seven, eleven counties, something like that. But anything that I could basically drive to within like an hour and a half, two hours is kind of what I consider reasonable. Yeah. Awesome. Um, but with glory days it's different because it was like okay now we have this outlet to let's start a motorcycle show in pittsburgh and bring other people in so now i can invite the builders from the west coast canada other countries and they can come in and showcase their bikes so on top of like having like the local inspiration for the magazine now they're actually able to see like other bikes from other areas they might not have ever seen before in their lives and then they can pick up ideas and talk with the builders themselves and actually come up with Maybe some new, I don't know, I guess creative flow for the for the area. Because I think Pittsburgh is always a little behind with things, especially with the West Coast and stuff. I mean, it seems to be catching up. But with the weather, I mean, what are you going to do? You only have right. so many so many months to ride in this cloudy city. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And you got to have a nice big uh, garage 
heated garage so you could work all mm -hmm. winter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a weird city. Cause it's just like, I guess we're in that stage now where land's just crazy and every, everywhere you look, every time someone will find like a good deal on a garage or a space, you know, three months later, it's going up in rent or there's a contractor who's buying it and they're doing a development site. So everything kind of just like a lot of cities in America just seems to be getting pushed out. Yeah. Yeah, that's how it works, right? I guess everybody, the city's small, everybody's there, you start working your way out and then eventually. Yeah, yeah. You're way I mean, we're out by the airport now because it's just, you know, what are you going to do? How long have you been doing um, the show? I came up with the idea in 2018. 2019 was our first year. Um, I think the, the basic idea in 2018 was like we wanted a venue that was going to be big enough to do like a legitimate large show, something that would catch the eye of the, the manufacturers or big sponsors. I just didn't see the point. We did numerous small shows locally and they just didn't really take off to where I kind of where what something that I would like um you know you'd get a couple hundred people maybe 500 people or something like that but it really wasn't bringing in people from other states or other parts of the country um so with this one there was like a national historic landmark it was an old iron making facility called carry blast furnaces and that was my idea it was like why don't we get this thing up to code up to inspection levels uh, work with the nonprofit that runs it and see if we can actually do a bike show here. There's a lot of red tape with it at the time, but we were, by like spring of the next year, we got the green light to get things rolling. And luckily we had some big sponsors come on right from the start, like Bell Helmets, Iron City Beer, uh, you know, TC Bros, to name a few. And that kind of helped kick things off. And we really ran with that platform at that facility till this year we're at we're going to move it to a new larger facility just because we just ran out of room there wasn't whenever you're working with like a historic landmark that has the government and everything involved you don't really get a lot of people don't know but behind the scenes i don't have a lot of time to set up they give me like five hours on friday and then i just have saturday so it's really hard to load all the builders in yeah and get everything in place it's a logistical nightmare but it was a neat facility it's amazing there's a lot of history facility yeah and and it's it, it's a bummer to to kind of lose that but with some of the new restrictions they were putting in place and this the uh uncertainty of what the city was going to do with the property and the developments i just didn't want to risk it and we had a really cool opportunity that we just locked up um with our main sponsor iron city beer they opened this enormous brewery and distillery uh like north of the city so we'll have like 10 times the room uh we're working it out now and it really just takes the show for more of like you know just having me organize everything now it's kind of elevated to a level to where it's i have to it's like a full-time job type of thing now yeah we're gonna need a whole team there's different sections of the show it'll open up a lot of new opportunities it should be pretty exciting moving forward I was going to ask how much of this is your focus throughout the year. It's all, it's all year. Yeah. It starts immediately after the show we start. So we'll just, you know, rack up the content during the show and then we'll start hammering it out after the show. Um, you know, we have to fulfill certain things with sponsors. You know, we do a lot of video now. 
And then we start planning with, you know, trying to get the sponsors to come back and you have to pitch the new ideas. And then now, right now, we're just figuring out the logistics to where we're going to fit everything and how we're going to rearrange the brewery and all that good stuff. So are you shooting the video content yourself as well or? I can't. No, I don't. I just it's not something I want to do. You know, how it's I a just whole nother thing, you know, and it. <laughs> And for me to get into that, I mean, I've done it, but it's just, it's too much. It's too much to handle. Uh, with Alexa shooting the photography, we have a few people shooting the photography. There's enough guys that that really love to do the videography. Uh, there was a guy named Sean Madden. I think he's from Jersey or New York. Uh, he did some of the video for us last year and it turned out great. So as long as those people are around and they're willing to do it, I think uh, that's the way to go. Yeah. I Maybe agree. we'll be able to get you out there too. I, I didn't have time to really look at it for like a freestyle jump and measure things out, but we'll see what we can do. Yeah, that would be awesome. Although I do love the, I get the deal with this whole thing, but that building is sick. That's a sick backdrop. The furnaces? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So we it, actually used to ride at Youngstown MX, which is... Yeah, there was a, I, I rode a lot, I raced a lot in Ohio. And there was yeah, a big I, furnace I there. Yeah, um, year way back in our original photos of the freestyle course, they had this big furnace like in the background, and then they tore that down while we were still riding there. Ah, it's a bummer. Yeah. Um, so what your new one is at the a uh, brewery? Yeah, it's called Pittsburgh Brewing Company. It's it's the, I guess the parent company to Iron City Beer, which is like Pittsburgh's beer. It's like Got their it. historic beer. Um. They were kind of bouncing around for years. The company was sold and finally landed in uh, the hands of somebody who wanted to bring it back to the city. And the building used to be called the PPG Glass Works. Everybody's heard of PPG, but they, yep. they had like a facility there where they were, uh, they ended up, I don't know, it closed down, but it was actually older than the, the blast furnaces. So the history is actually more interesting because it's, it's even older than our old facility. Awesome. You can still oh, see the cool. bricks and everything on it. Uh, but they added on, and now they have a couple stages, um, just a whole brew house. Like, we'll have a few different buildings to work with during the show. And they'll allow me to set up days ahead of time and, and kind of help out with stuff. So it's going to be a lot easier for me. Yeah. But with it being easier, now I have more responsibility as far as making sure everything goes smoothly. I feel like you can get a little bit more intricate with your setup, obviously, if you have the lee leeway to do it prior you know and you don't have to like load in mm -hmm. and load out so fast so you can have like yeah that was a little more of I a think setup. From the out, yeah that's that was that's the main problem because from the outside everybody thinks that it's some big corporation and that that was the weird thing for me is i have to you know i have to make this look like it's run by a company that's bigger and has their shit together you know but mm -hmm. it but in reality it's just kind of a grassroots two-person job you know yep. mostly i'm doing everything for it so that 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 was sort of like the struggle but now it seems like okay well we'll just have to embrace it and we'll just move on now it's just going to be a large show that we have to nail it you know we don't have that excuses we don't have the excuses that it's just me anymore i mean things have to go smoothly and, and we'll have the help to do it well that's the key right is having yeah. people in place to take the load off 
Um, these helmets, yeah. did you paint the helmets or they're random? The trippy 10. So the trippy 10 helmet show is something I started with glory days. It was just an, like a small internal helmet show to give just some awareness to the painters in the industry. So a lot of the guys that paint the motorsports, uh, any, anything in the motorsports industry, whether it's FXRs, choppers, whatever, uh, if, if they were, if they have that background, we'll reach out to them and offer them a spot in the show, and they get to paint the helmet any way they want. They get to keep the helmet after they're done, but it gets displayed on the website and gets a lot of uh, content promotion work as well. So some it's, it's neat ones. having. I don't think those guys get a lot enough credit either. Everybody always expects them to give something away or do this and that, but I mean, it's similar to us. It's just guys who stayed in the industry who are just trying to find a way to make a living out of it. Well, and helmet paint, uh, custom paint jobs have gone away. I mean, you remember when we yeah. were kids, like that was the big thing is everybody went mm -hmm. and got custom paint jobs. Otherwise you had like some lame, you know, paints, uh, you know, just like stock yeah. scheme. And now it's like, whether it's cause the helmets come cool enough or, you know, like people don't want to spend, they already bought a. $500 helmet. They don't want to spend yeah. another 300 on paint. I don't know what it is, but it's basically just gone away. It used to be different. I remember, yeah, growing up, I learned how to paint helmets, you know, with, with an airbrush and, and how to do the masking. And that's where everything kind of got started. And you're right. I, I think that, I don't know, maybe just oversaturation, you know, the artwork got better from the companies and there was right. just so much of it. I and mean, when we were growing up, I remember just, when, when like a racer would switch gear companies, it was like a big deal. I remember having to pay attention to all that stuff. Yeah. If someone went from no fear to Fox or whatever. Nowadays, it's hard. I don't really pay attention to that stuff as much. But um, it's it's different how that's changed a little bit. Yeah. Um, this Cheech and Chong helmet is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Smoke more 840. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. All these helmets are awesome. Yeah. Adam Paul from Limeline out in uh, Salt Lake City did that. Yeah. I looked at the one with the bird on it first. Now we got the, what is this? The um, Gordon Olaf. Oh, the glow in the dark helmet. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it glows <laughs> in the dark or it's just super bright. Is that the white one? Yeah. Yeah. It actually glows. Yeah, it glows in the dark. That was a tough one because he made it glow in the dark. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to display right. this during the show. Cause I can't like put it in a box or anything, but regardless, it was pretty neat. So yeah. he actually even dyed the, uh, the liner of it and did it in pink. Which oh, I yeah, thought was I see a that. Nice touch. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It looks like a very fun event and uh, I'm sure now at the brewery, it's going to be sick as well. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be a lot more. It, it's going to open to a lot of opportunities for us. And the, and the cool news is that facility is brand new. So they're not done yet. They're, they're building a stage that it's like an amphitheater. So they're going to be able to bring in big acts. They're building a, like a marina, a restaurant on site. So in the future, I'd hope that it would be a multi-day kind of motorcycle festival, but keeping the core of the custom builder show inside and having all that stuff kind of continue on. Uh, I don't want to lose what we have. I think that's why people really dig the show. So yeah. uh, everything that we did at the furnace is just going to be basically picked up and moved to the new facility. And then we'll add on from there. Right. Awesome. We'll still have like a hundred custom bikes inside. We'll still do kind of exactly what we were doing before, but there'll be more to do throughout the day. Right.
Yeah, we're doing something in um, South Carolina, which uh, I teamed up with a friend that owns a motocross track. And he actually ended up contacting me at first, like, let's do an amateur freestyle contest, which I'm like, was hesitant because, you know, those people are spread out so far across the country that it's like, you know, there's not like a ton in any one place other than maybe California, I guess, at this point. Um, but uh, we're going to, once we brought on, I started doing the Harley jump and then I was like, oh, well, let's do street bikes too. So now we're doing like a two day some mint like uh pit bike races we'll have dirt drags so you could have heart you know street bikes or dirt bikes do the dirt drags and a place to camp and stuff like that but it's less bike show we're the opposite <laughs> yeah but that's that's still important i mean is it are you gonna are you talking about with the street bikes like the guys who do the like the wheelie stunts and the burnouts like that type of thing well no i mean we're gonna have um it be more like a rally. We're going to have some, uh, oh, okay. like oh, right. camping in the back by the, uh, by a pond. We'll be like 21 and up. We'll have a bar area back there, have some guided rides, have, uh, like I said, the street drags and some also the biker games, stuff like that. And then, uh, we're going to, we are going to end up doing the amateur freestyle motocross contest on Saturday night. And then I'm going to jump at the end of it. That'll be cool, man. That sounds like a killer idea. There's a lot of that stuff popping up. Yeah. It seems that there's a lot of interest in people just getting away for the weekend. The camping's a big deal. I mean, everybody always asks us about the camping, but good luck trying to camp in Pittsburgh. You know? Right. <laughs> if you can get a spot, you know, out in the country somewhere that gives you the freedom and, and you're able to do what you can do, then yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be a great idea. Yeah, well, this is South Carolina, so different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit different scenario. Yeah, they have one in Tennessee that motorcycle revival that seems kind of similar to what you're talking about, but it it's a big hit. I it. mean, everybody I know loves that show. Okay, they do hill climbs. It's at Loretta oh, Lynn. Nice. So they'll, oh, they'll, okay. Yeah, yeah, we we're gonna do a short loop too. You know, like not the whole moto track, but just have like a little uh, race where we'd have you know if people wanted to do their Harley or whatever, but just have like a rolly straight away. So you kind of like yeah. have to slow down and go through it. Yeah, um, get some choppers out there doing that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. See who can make it happen. Um, all right. Well, so what else uh, is that? Basically, your two big things are the magazine and the the show. Yeah, I mean, we have a like I said, we have our creative agency, which is a little more boring to talk about. But yeah. I think on the motorcycle <laughs> side, yeah, at this point, Glory Days has kind of taken off and become its own thing. Uh, so I'm going to have to put a lot more energy into that. It's weird working all year for a seven hour event. So it right. is one of those things <laughs> that I'm hoping <laughs> that um, I can like spawn into a few days and, and kind of make it more. That's why we're trying to come up with like maybe little side events or, or things that lead up to it and just kind of make it its own little culture as well. Yeah. No, it looks like you've done an awesome job with that, with building the event. And just like you said, all the visuals for it, everything looks really cool. And, um, just did a good job with the whole thing. Your layout, your backdrop being the building there, obviously you're moving to a new older place, but I like that all of that was taken into consideration. Um, you know, and even just the, so like the atmosphere of the thing is cool because it's, I love old shit. So mm -hmm. you got me there. We live in a house. The basement is, uh, 
was built in the this was originally a basket factory the basement is the original foundation built in the like the 1780s or something like that so yeah. we're the same way we like you know like history we'll just days there i'll just do in your basement yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're down at the end of the like this uh it's gravel down here there's one house past us and behind us is all just um fields so like that they farm and uh, we got like a stream on either side. I don't think we can have that many people though. That's the only issue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's weird finding a venue, and that seems to be the, the problem with everything. Even with Pittsburgh, I mean, Pennsylvania is a commonwealth, whatever that even really means. So w because the property that we used was so large, it was split up between three different districts. So, I mean, we were like, just to get into the back end, we're paying taxes and permits. Yeah for three different areas, even though we're not even using any of that or that land. And then for parking, because it's all owned by developmental companies, like, you know, you got to pay those guys off and you have to get yeah. contracts in place just to be able to park a car somewhere. It, it just becomes a logistical nightmare. And it's, you know, no fault to the venue. This isn't like, th that's a historic landmark. They weren't yeah. trying to make this into some, some like, like, you know, dedicated venue space. That's but, the um, thing, you know, though. They did what, they could. what are they going to do now, moving forward? Like, I'm sure you at they made money off of this somehow. So, like, I understand them trying to uh, preserve it, but you get to a point where it's like, how then are you going to have money to preserve it if you don't like have anything in there? Hollywood production has moved into uh, town, uh, okay. much like Detroit, I'm sure Cleveland, Buffalo, a lot of the the Rust Belt cities and post-industrial area seems Hollywood, you know, whenever we're out there scouting, sometimes they'll be filming a show there. I know like Paramount uh, Pictures and places. So they're making a ton of money off that. They're making right. so much money off that they really don't care about They don't even else. And, want and you to it. bring in all I these mean, people. They're like, ah, oh, we have a crew and some actors and then they leave and that's it. Right. I mean, if you have Jason Momoa and Jeremy Renner, they're filming movies. I can't imagine what they're getting for that. Plus, they're getting grants. So the furnaces will be fine. I'm glad that it's in the hands of a nonprofit like this who's kind of trying to preserve it. I'm glad they're not just, you know, bulldozing yeah. it over and selling it because it is a piece of Pittsburgh history. I mean, it, it was part of the reason World War One was, you know, with our involvement that was where everything was sort of made it, this was one of the places where a lot of that stuff was done uh so it isn't something i want to see go away i'm glad that they're still doing it and they do little events there like irish festivals and drinking festivals and stuff like that but that seems worse like, <laughs> like... yeah well it is but the problem with glory days it was just too big like oh, we just yeah. ran out of room so it, it it was funny like they like it was somebody who called the cops on us because they couldn't we, the traffic was backed up so far trying to get people in, but we had had the cops at our event. Right. So they're getting called from our event to take care of something out the road. It's just, you know, it's just at this point, I don't know. It yeah. was a tough one. And, and whenever this new opportunity opened up, we, you know, I felt like, you know, not that I want to move it, but it was just time. Yeah. It was time to kind of move on and, and take this thing to another level. I thought maybe I'd do this for five years. So even we're in our fifth year. So I thought maybe this would be it at yeah. this point because it's such a headache to run. But it seems like really people really dig the show. There's a lot more interest this year and the attendance keeps going up. So we'll just, you know, 
take it in a different direction and see where we can go with it. Well, that's they say you don't even know if an event's going to work until the third year. Yeah. Well, the first year was a hit, so I didn't oh, expect sick. it to go well. Um, but it was because I was so afraid of it not working. I just hammered the marketing, you know. Yeah. I was online every day trying to pump this thing up. We'd even have people tell us, oh, I was there last year. And I'm thinking, no, nah, we didn't have it last <laughs> That's year. That's hilarious. So, like, it, I, I realized, okay, the marketing's working. And if I can get some of these big name builders to come in and kind of like help push the reputation of the show, which, you know, I appreciate everybody doing, then it, it kind of like set it off into the right direction. Right. That's when you pull in there and you see those giant steampunk looking furnaces. It's it, it's kind of breathtaking, especially if you're not from an area like this. Yeah, yeah, like, for coming sure. Coming from the south or the west or something, you're not used to seeing these giant, strange contraptions where, you know, you're just looking at it like, how did people work on this thing? It's it's wild to think they just climbed a ladder a hundred feet in the air with no safety harnesses and just had to sit up there and weld something. Yeah, what was yeah. the building, the big room that you were in? It was called a powerhouse building. That's where we used. That's where we did the uh, the main bike show. Yeah. But like, what was it for originally? It's hard to tell. I mean, they did iron pouring there, so some of that stuff is still there. But now it's just been all cleared out. Mm. So I don't know exactly what was where. Got it. Uh, there, there is a few buildings there, but a lot of them are just filled with old junk and different things from back in the day. Uh, luckily, they were able to at least clear enough out to have that one large, you know, the one large building for us to use. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, uh, we can wrap this up. Is there anything you want to, you know, where should everybody go to check out you or the the show or the magazine? I'm online at KurtDeSirio.com, K-U-R-T-D-I-S-E-R-I-O.com, and on social media for Glory Days, it's Glory Days, D-A-Z-E-P-G-H.com. It's also on social media as well. Uh, Pittsburgh Moto, exactly how it sounds. And uh, I think that's it. Those are the three main outlets that, that we're using right now to kind of take our projects in the right direction. Awesome. Well, we will definitely have you back on and chat especially when we're getting closer to uh the event you got everything you know lined up and you got some more uh of an idea of your total picture this year because i know i'm sure it's going to morph by the time you get there um, hope so yeah <laughs> with extra space and everything else um but yeah we'll get you back in here everybody else thank you guys for watching the show listening to the podcast and uh yeah go check out all kurt's stuff and his event if you are in the pittsburgh area even if you're not just drive over there get out there yeah 